0: Amen. So yesterday uh, we went out to the Strawberry Festival in Troy. Has anybody ever been to the Strawberry Festival over in Troy? Was anybody there yesterday? You guys were. Really, you guys can't went in the morning. Uh, there were a lot of people there. I was surprised by how many people were at the Strawberry Festival. It was packed. Uh, but while we were there at the Strawberry Festival, uh, we saw a booth for both the Pleasant Hill Church of God and the Troy View Church of God. So we get there, we walk in, and we pretty much just go to the town square in Troy, and all the booths are set up around the square. So we get up, and we go around in the circle, and we see Pleasant Hill right there at the start, and so we they're selling like a berry drink, so we go ahead and we get a berry drink and we move our way along. And there's a booth. The thing I was looking forward to the most was strawberry cheesecake. Any other strawberry cheesecake lovers out there? it doesn't get much better than a strawberry cheesecake. Am I right? Uh, And so we saw a booth for strawberry cheesecake, and you know, we had to get a slice of strawberry cheesecake. Um, And then lo and behold, we see uh, the Troy View uh, booth at the end, and they're selling strawberry shortcake. So for dinner, we had strawberry cheesecake and strawberry shortcake, a very nutritious meal. We got in our strawberries, Um, But it was a neat occasion to be able to support our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ at the Pleasant Hill Church of God and Troy View uh, Church of God as we were able to uh, donate towards uh, their cause by getting their berry drink from Pleasant Hill and the strawberry shortcake from Troy View. And it's a blessing to do that because we are all on the same team We worship together here on Sunday mornings and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ over at Pleasant Hill and over at Troy View, they are worshiping the same God as us. They're worshiping the same God through the same Holy Spirit because of the same Christ Jesus. And it's wonderful to support our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are all on the same team. Oftentimes in uh, the game of basketball or soccer, Sometimes you'll get two players from the same team fighting over the ball. In basketball, someone may miss the shot, and it bounces off the rim, and two two players from the same team are fighting for the rebound. And in soccer, oftentimes, a keeper may go ahead and punt the ball down the field, and two guys from the same team will try and uh, get control of the ball. And oftentimes, when you see this take place in the game of basketball or soccer, you get the coach on the sidelines yelling, We're on the same team! We're on the same team, pick up your heads. And they get reprimanded almost every single time. Unfortunately, when we take a look at church, sometimes we are going for the same ball, in essence. Sometimes we're we're bickering about, about these small issues, and sometimes we just have to understand that, listen, we are on the same team, pick up your heads, and we are on the same team. So I want everybody, just a couple of seconds, To look around you, look ahead of you, to your sides, behind you, and recognize that we are all on the same team. And this is just a very, very small part of the team. As we are all on a team with all the Christians worldwide, this mission of expanding God's kingdom. And too often, Christians are fighting over uh, the same ball, and we have to recognize that we are on the same team. And that's, that's going to be part of uh, the theme for this morning's message as we continue our series on living like a saint. We're going through the book of Ephesians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints at Ephesus. And in this letter, the sixth chapter letter, Paul is instructing the saints at Ephesus or the Christians at Ephesus to live like a saint, to to live like their calling. And today we pick up in Ephesians chapter two. And we're gonna be reading from chapter two, verses 11, and we're gonna close out the chapter. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can open up to the book of Ephesians. Remember, girls eat pretty cakes. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter two, verse 11. And again, here we'll see this theme of us all being on the same team as Paul is writing to the saints at Ephesus. And so Paul writes in verse 11 of chapter two, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So if we rewind a bit into Genesis chapter uh, 17, way back, uh, about 2,000 years ago before Paul wrote this letter to the saints at Ephesus. In Genesis chapter 17, God is making a covenant or a continuation of a covenant with Abraham. A covenant is simply a two-sided agreement. It's like a contract, in essence, between two separate parties. And in this covenant that God is making with Abraham, God said that he would make Abraham a father of many nations, that he would have many descendants. And it's ironic because at this point in time, when Abraham was an old man, he had zero kids. But God was telling them, listen up, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations what a blessing that will be. In response, so, so that was God's side of the agreement. In response to this, on Abraham's side of the agreement, God asked Abraham and all the male members of his household to get circumcised. As a circumcision served as the physical sign of this covenant, that they were remaining obedient to this covenant, to this call by God, their father. And so in response On that uh, same day, Abraham took all of the male members of his household. So that would, so again, he has no uh, children at this point uh, through his uh, wife, Sarah. Ishmael was present at that time, but he took all of his male servants and, and thus forth, which would have been a pretty big crowd. And they all got in line and they all got circumcised. Now, a couple of years ago, we watched our sweet little baby boy Ezra uh, get circumcised. And they got a, a pretty intricate system to make a, a small incision on the baby Ezra. Uh, But as we're all aware, uh, they didn't have any of that 4,000 years ago. So it probably took a sharp rock, and they all made the incision without any painkillers or anything. And all the guys in the room proceed to grimace as they think about uh, proceeding in circumcision with a sharp rock. Uh, But that was the sign of the covenant between God and Abraham and his family. And so for 2,000 years, that's a long time. For 2,000 years the descendants of Abraham, also referred to as the Jews or the Israelites, they were instructed to separate themselves from the foreign people and a part of the separation from the, poor, the from the foreign people was through circumcision. And so because of this, the Gentile people, a Gentile basically anyone who's not a Jew, the Gentiles were separated from the Jews. And because of this, Jesus himself was a Jew, and so the Gentiles themselves were separated from Jesus. And without Christ, they would have no hope. A very similar idea to our last week's message, and Paul telling, ripping into these people saying, hey, at one point in time, you guys had no hope. They were hopeless. As these Gentiles, they, ha- they didn't have Christ in their life, they have no hope. And they were not included in the promises, including in the different covenants, like the covenant of Abraham. And so the Gentiles, they refer to as the uncircumcised. That was like the dirty little demeaning way to refer to the Gentiles. The Jews, the the circumcised crew, they go there and look at those uncircumcised heathens over there. They aren't part of this covenant between God and Abraham and his family. In our society, unfortunately, uh, we have loads of different demeaning terms for every group of people under the sun. And this was the demeaning term for the Gentiles, that, that they were the uncircumcised. The, the Jews kind of viewed the, the Gentiles as second-rate citizens. You know, that, that that's really ties into a lot of uh, the politics uh, today in our day and age and viewing people as second-rate citizens. And so if we continue here in verse 13, so here Paul contrasts the Jews from the Gentiles. There is a, a stark contrast between these two parties. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So Paul here is talking to the the Gentiles at Ephesus, these uh, Christian believers who who weren't Jewish, and he says, you guys were once far off. And you guys who were once far off, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ we continue here in verse 15, Paul writes, uh, and and we continue here, broken down, who has made us both one, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And so previously before Christ the Gentiles they were separated from Christ, they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, they were strangers to the covenants of promise, they were without hope and they were without God. That does not sound like a group of people that that we would want to be a part of. However, Everything changed with Christ Jesus. Through one man, Jesus Christ, this all changes. And now they are united with Christ. These Gentiles, they, they are reconciled to the well-being of Israel. They are part of the covenants of promise. They, they, they have a part in the covenant that God made with Abraham. They are with hope as they have Christ now. And they are also with God. And so this was all accomplished by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul describes this process of unification between the Jew and the Gentile in these verses 14 through 17. And Paul says that Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility, as Christ himself is our peace. Christ, he he is uh, talked about, he's described in the scriptures as the prince of peace. And so we ask, how did Christ break down this wall of hostility between the Gentiles and the Jews? Well, Paul tells us that he accomplishes in verse fifteen by abolishing the law of commandments. And so Christ, he broke down this wall of hostility between these Jews and these Gentiles by abolishing the law of commandments. As Christ, he tells us in in Matthew chapter 5 in the midst of the Sermon of of the Mount, he he proclaims to us that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so for 2,000 years, the Jews separated themselves from everyone else by following this law of Moses. They looked different. They acted different and they lived different from everyone else around them. They were circumcised, kosher-eating Jews, and that was not the norm. But now, through Christ, this law, the law of Moses, has been fulfilled. We are no longer under the law of Moses. Jesus tells us the whole law depends on loving God with basically all that you got and loving your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with all that you got, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're going to fulfill the law. You're not going to have other gods and idols before Yahweh. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to lie to your neighbors. You're not going to steal. You're not going to covet. You're not going to do any of that if you are loving God with all that you have and if you love your neighbor as yourself. And so now, with Jesus, there is no longer any division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul says, now, instead of two separate groups of people, we are now one. We are one. As they came together in one party, one team, they were able to recognize that we were all on the same team. And now, if we seek to have a relationship with God, We're no longer called Jew or Gentile. We're simply called Christians as we are following the example that Christ has given to us. Let me tell you, this was not easy for the early church to adopt. It was very, very difficult for the Jewish Christians to accept the Gentile believers. It was very difficult. And I have sympathy for them because for 2,000 years, they were separated from them. They were instructed very strictly, don't intermarry with those people. Don't intermarry with with, with these foreign nations. And now all of a sudden, it all changes with Christ Jesus. And so, of course, they're going to have issues with this. Of course, it's going to take time for them to adopt to this. And so ironically, this act of unification between the Jews and the Gentiles, it actually caused a bit of division in the early church, even amongst some of the heroes of our faith, like Paul and Peter. But I thank God that Paul was adamant that Gentile Christians have the same sort of rights as Jewish Christians, and they didn't need to abide by the law of Moses. And given enough time, the church recognized that everyone who accepts the sacrifice on the cross has been reconciled to God. So it took time, but, but we finally got a hold of that between the Jews and the Gentiles. So if we continue here in verse 18, Paul writes, For it's through him, that's Christ, it's through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So the reason why there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile now is that we both have the same exact access to God, as access to God is achieved through Christ Jesus by a means of the Holy Spirit. As for when Christ died, when he was crucified on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And what this symbolizes is previously before the crucifixion, uh, only the high priest once a year was able to enter the most holy of holies. And the most holy of holies, basically that represented the presence of God. So one person once a year could enter the presence of God. But man, like a lot of things in life, everything changed with Jesus. This curtain that separated the most holy of holies, this curtain that separated the presence of God from the presence of mankind, that curtain was torn completely from top to bottom. Where previously, the Jews, if they had an issue, they would often go to their priests and the priests would then bring it before God. I think uh, uh, of the the, the first five books of the Bible and Moses and leading the group of Israelites. And time and time again, we see the Israelites complaining to Moses, and then Moses brings it before God. I I got sympathy uh, for Moses. Uh, That that would have been a headache times a million. But now, if we have a request for God, skip the priest, man. Don't bring it to me. Bring it to God. Bring it to God yourself. I love Hebrews 4.16, which tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us boldly approach God through prayer. Go, go boldly. Go approach your God. Go approach your creator. You have been given that power. So when you get home, go to your bedroom, shut the door behind you, get away from your kids, get away from your spouse, get away from everybody, get on your knees and boldly approach the creator of the heavens and the earth. What a blessing that is. What a privilege that is. Make your petitions known to God. Let your heavenly father know that you just want nothing more than your spouse to turn to Christ Jesus. Let your heavenly father know there's nothing more that you want than for your children to follow the example of Christ Jesus. Tell God you just want an opportunity to disciple others. Whatever your quest is, make it known to God. You have been given that authority through Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. And so I urge you, quit looking around for help. and Start looking up. That's where our true help comes from, comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth who hears our prayers. And that maker of the heavens and the earth has given you that opportunity to approach him, to access him directly. And we have got to use that phenomenal power and resource that we have readily available. It's now because of this, because we are all able to access God, through Jesus, by means of the Holy Spirit, we are all fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. Let there be no division among us, for we have all been reconciled to God. And so Paul closes out here in verses 20 through 22. Paul writes, this is all built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's a beautiful part. About our faith. This wasn't just something that was thrown together last minute by God. We we've all been there. We've all been there before. We all went to school. We all know what it looks like to throw together a project or finish up our homework last minute and turn it in just to say we got it done. No, this is built on a foundation. I I love what Jen said this uh, morning earlier uh, as we're transitioning into our uh, second song and how the glorious thing about our God—he knew that we were going to mess up from the beginning of time, but. He had a plan. He had a plan, and this plan is built on the foundation. It's built on the foundation of the apostles, the apostle Paul and all these other guys who were sent on a mission to spread this gospel message. This plan, this hope that we have of reconciliation, it was founded upon the prophets, the prophets of the Old Testament who laid the frameworks for the coming Messiah. And then there's our Messiah. There's our Christ, and he is the cornerstone. He is the central figure of this. As Jesus, he fulfilled the law and the prophets, and it's through Jesus and the cross that we have been reconciled to God, and now we can directly access him through prayer. There is no better foundation for our hope that God has been planning from the beginning of time, and we are a part of that glorious, glorious plan. So there's two takeaways that I want us all to come away with this morning in reading through uh, this piece of scripture. Number one, we have to recognize that we are all on the same team. We're all on the same team. I hate seeing fellow Christians bickering with one another. Don't talk poorly about other Christians. Let's focus on us together being on the same team. Let's ensure that we understand this and then let's act like it as well. Let's act like we are all on the same team and we understand that we are all on the same team. I don't care if you are white, if you're black, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're a Jew, if you're Gentile, whatever it may be. If we are a believer in Christ Jesus, then we are on the same team. And we have a big team that we need to work together with. So let's quit fighting over the same ball. Let's quit bickering about these little issues. And let's recognize and act like that. We are all indeed on the same team seeking to expand God's coming kingdom. Takeaway number two, use your ability to directly access the Father. You have been given a miraculous power to directly access access the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we've got to use it. I mean, just think about that. I mean, many of us probably have a famous person in this day and age that we would just love the opportunity to talk to them. And what it would mean if we could talk to uh, Justin Bieber or uh, on any of these other celebrities that people are always talking about, or any of our sports legends like LeBron James, whatever. It be, what it would mean for us if we could just talk to these guys face to face Well, all the more powerful we have been given that ability to directly access the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we have got to use that. Too many of us are letting that wonderful power sit idly by as our first resort when we have a request. Our first resort when we have an issue is we look all around us. And then when we're in a really desperate time and measure, then... We start to look up. And I encourage you guys, let your first instinct not to be to look around, but let your first instinct be to look up, to seek God for help. And when you do, God may seek you to to find help around you, to, to seek help from your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. But we've got to understand the power it is that we have to directly access God himself as we have been reconciled to him. Praise God. Can I get an amen? So we're all on the same team. We had direct access to God, and this is all because of the cross. Paul says that we have been reconciled to God through the cross. Our relationship with God, it has been broken. It was broken previously, but it has been restored because of the sacrifice on the cross. And now you and I, we can have a right relationship with God. And so today, as we partake of communion I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the fact that we have all been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus by means of the Holy Spirit. And it's all because of this right here. It's all because of the body of Jesus being broken for us. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus being spilt on behalf of you and I before we partake communion, we'll go ahead and we will pray over these powerful emblems and everything that they represent to you and I. So let's go ahead and let's pray over the bread. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for the plan that you've had from the beginning of time, a plan to use broken people, a plan to reconcile us back to you, a plan that all hinges on the cross as your beloved son, Christ Jesus, paid the price, paid the price so that we could be reconciled to you. So Father, we thank you for that. We celebrate that fact today. We love you. It's in Christ's precious and holy and powerful name that we pray, amen. bread represents the body of Jesus being broken for us so that we could be reconciled to God the Father. Let's partake together. Just like the body of Christ was broken for us, his blood was spilt on behalf for you and I as well. Let's go ahead and let's pray over the cup. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for your glorious plan. We thank you for the blood that was spilt on behalf of each and every one of us here this morning, Father. So, Father, we do not belittle the price that was paid to make this all possible. But we recognize the sacrifice that you and your beloved son, Christ Jesus, made on that cross. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. go ahead and partake of the cup together. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for using a broken people for your good and for your glory. And Father, I pray that you use us as a church for your glory, for your honor. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.